0: Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes, rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that 24% of America's caregivers fall into the millennial demographic. In other words, according to the 2015 Caregiving in the U.S. report prepared by the AARP and the National Alliance for Caregiving, of the caregivers in the U.S., 24% fall within the age range of 18 to 34 years old. And our guest today is more than just a caregiver. She has actually chosen to support and help seniors in her professional life. She's very dynamic. She's a millennial, and she's from Natchez, Mississippi, but she now lives and works in West Palm Beach, Florida. I'm so happy today to have on the podcast Courtney Tim. She is the Assistant Director of Independent and Assisted Living at Lourdes Noreen McKean, uh, a retirement community really in West Palm Beach, Florida. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on.
1: Thank you so much, Jana, for having me. Such a kind introduction.
0: So let's start with your background. You're from Natchez. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you came to the profession of uh, senior care.
1: Absolutely. Uh, that's correct. I am originally from Natchez, Mississippi and lived there for the first 20 years of my life. I um, grew up in a rather large family. Uh, my father was a pediatrician. My mom was a stay-at-home mother. I have a total of five siblings, hmm. four sisters and one brother. And I was actually homeschooled up until sixth grade. And the only reason why I, at that point, had to go to private school is because my mom became very ill with cancer. And hmm. she just wasn't well enough to teach the six of us. So I would say that my love for seniors really started as a child. And the reason was because being homeschooled naturally, you know, we did interact with other kids, but we spent a lot of time at home. And I lived in a downtown community, which I'd say over 50% of our neighbors were elderly. And it was kind of my escape route during the afternoon, you know, when people were taking naps, mom was cleaning, it, it, it was my way of getting out and I would go and visit all the neighbors and, you know, by that time it was coffee time, I'd always get away with having a couple of sodas and mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed spending time with them, played cards. And it's so funny because uh, it came to a point where we moved from the downtown area that I grew grown up in, and my mom, my mom will never forget. The first thing that I said is, "How am I going to leave all my neighbors?" <laughs> and you know, all of our neighbors were these people who were sixty-five plus years old. I wasn't worried about leaving the kids. I knew that there'd be kids in the next neighborhood, mm-hmm. but I was just really—I didn't want to leave my my senior neighbors.
0: <laughs> hmm. And you said. You grew up in downtown Natchez. So,
1: can you paint yeah.
0: that picture for us for for listeners who don't know anything really about Natchez? What is that what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so actually my um the the house that I grew up in was a Victorian home. And and Natchez is very well known for its lovely plantation homes that, mm-hmm. you know, you see on TV or See these people get married in with a large white columns, mm-hmm. These huge houses. I did not live in one of those. It was a a, a, a newer home. It was a, built during the Victorian era. But um, so the streets were filled with homes. It was very quiet. Uh, we were a couple of blocks from the city, and in Natchez, it's so small. I think our downtown city is about four blocks. And uh, Natchez mm-hmm. is on a bluff. The city runs along the Mississippi River. And then you cross the Mississippi River Bridge, and you're in Louisiana. So, very small city. And, and so... you have the crape myrtles downtown. You have the oak trees. You have the what um, downtown? What did you say? You have the what? Sorry. The cr- crape myrtles. What it's are, the type of flower. That's that's very common. Crape myrtles. Yeah. Okay. And then... The, the state flower, of course, is the magnolia. Mm-hmm. So you'd walk outside and smell and see these beautiful magnolias.
0: That sounds. It sounds very picturesque.
1: It is. I tell you what, um, it is a true picture of what you know what you would see in the background of a picture of a Southern Belle, That uh-huh. just Mississippi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, what brought you to Florida specifically? Tell us a little bit about your career path and how that was carved
1: out. Yeah. So like I said, I lived in Natchez for the first 20 years of my life, and I actually attended a local community college because I worked um, at my father's, one of his clinics. Mm-hmm. I really loved the health care field. I always knew that that's the route that I wanted to pursue, but I wasn't sure if I was going to go the clinical route or the administrative route. So after, you know, being hands on in this clinic, I really decided that uh, the clinical route was not for me and that every successful healthcare center needed a great administrator. So, I, you know, once I had reached my limit at the community college, it was time for me to finish out my undergrad and I moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana and obtained my bachelor's in science and healthcare administration. So, um, I graduated and worked for a couple years in Baton Rouge for a non-profit cancer center. And, you know, I loved living in Mississippi. Louisiana was definitely a different dynamic, but... I always knew I wanted to live in Florida and wanted to go back to my roots of enjoying the company of seniors. And I really wanted to pursue a career in senior living. You know, it, it senior living, the senior living industry is expanding. It's booming. You know,
0: there's mm-hmm. so much
1: going on right now. And I was at a point in my life where I had no strings really attached to anything mm-hmm. um, in Baton Rouge. And I made the jump. So mm-hmm. I moved to West Palm in 2013, spent a couple of months looking for a job in senior living and got so lucky. You know, I had been working for several years, I'd say back to the time I was 18 in healthcare. you know, but never held a, an executive position, but I had somebody take a chance on me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it it is where I currently am. They saw the potential in me. They saw my drive. They saw my love for the elderly. Yeah, since then, it's really been history, almost two years currently working as the Assistant Director of Independent and Assisted Living at Nori McKean.
0: Mm-hmm. Did any of your friends from back home go into this field? Are they doing anything with seniors?
1: I do not have any friends in senior living from my hometown. Hmm. And, you know, the funny thing is, um, you know, in addition to spending a lot of time with the elderly in my neighborhood. You know, I, I volunteered at nursing homes as a child. Our youth group would go in and do things for nursing homes. And it and even in my undergrad program, I had a nursing home administrator's course that I took for four months, and I would actually go. Um, the administrator at the nursing home was my professor, and I'd actually go there. But it wasn't until I took on this position that I really understood that there was more to senior living than just a nursing home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know, nursing homes are much different than independent and assisted living in several ways.
0: That's a really good point, if I can just interrupt you there, because I think a lot of people, when they think about senior living, they have these very dim pictures in their heads of just people with their heads down in wheelchairs all day, and these homes are really, really super depressing, which, let's face it, some of them are, but it's just one way of living out your older years, and so there is a great deal of resistance to even going down that route for your parents. People think if I put them in a home, it's going to be really dark experience. And yeah, so tell us a little bit about the broad range of living arrangements that exist at Lourdes Noreen McKean.
1: Absolutely. So your most independent care setting would be independent living. Um, You could kind of compare it to living in an apartment complex. The difference then is, being that we are a senior living community, we have uh, special accommodations set up like transportation to physician's appointments. There are meals prepared and served. There are activities on site. But being an independent you know, living resident means that you are independent. We do not provide care for independent living residents. They do have the option to have an outside caretaker come in during the day and help them, you know, say if they need help with a shower, various things around the house. So that's independent living for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Then also here at Noreen, we have Noreen McKean, we have assisted living. Assisted living is governed under Florida statutes. You know, we have certain laws we have to abide by. And, And the main difference is in assisted living, we take care of our residents. We assist them with their activities, with daily living, showers, bathing, eating, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then your skilled nursing facility is going to be total care, where there are very few activities that daily living, eating, bathing, walking, that a resident could do on their own. So there's even more hands-on care in the skilled nursing, and it really is at a point in an individual's life where they really require a
0: lot of hands-on help. Mm-hmm. It's basically just one step below being in a hospital. It's it's skilled nursing is what we think of as, as a nursing home. That is skilled nursing, right?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Correct. Okay. So
1: skilled nursing. It's, it's, it's people. You'll hear people say a SNF, uh-huh. SNF, skilled uh-huh. nursing facility. Oh,
0: I see. Okay. Um, okay. And so um, just to go back, you said you like to escape and visit your your, your neighborhood folks and who were seniors, what what did you get out of that? What, what was it about being around older folks that you really enjoyed?
1: Well, probably first and foremost, got out of the chaos of being in a home with six kids at homeschool <laughs> and we together all day long. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely the truth. Um, I enjoyed the one-on-one interaction. Um, you know, it, it started from such a young age. It just, it was always something, whenever I would walk into their homes, that was always so welcoming. They were so kind to me. And and it, it was just contagious. I, I can't describe it other than whenever I think back to my childhood and I would go and visit these homes. With, I, I remember most of the homes, the, the, the man and the woman, the couple, they were both still alive. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, it was, and and it was fun to see them interact too, you know, take care of one another. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, it it was just this fulfilling feeling. So you had a really positive,
0: positive view of older people right from the get go.
1: Absolutely. You know, I, didn't live too far away from my own grandparents um the closest was in New Orleans, which is three hours away, so you know I didn't have grandparents next door um where I could just go and visit them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
1: I could visit with kids, my siblings time, but um yeah, I just I love the interaction with these elderly
0: now were you a caregiver for your mom when she had cancer? Did you do any caregiving chores for her?
1: You know. That time's kind of blurry for me. Mm-hmm. It was It was definitely, I remember back when she got sick, you know, you can imagine going from your life being one way, you know, everybody together every day, mm-hmm. you have dinner as a family at night. And then when she got sick, um, you know, things just completely changed. It was chaotic. We had um, people come in and help take care of us. And, you know, I told my mom this one time, you know, I said, you know, I really don't feel like you and dad ever really wanted us to have to grieve you being sick because mm-hmm. any time we were taken to see her, you know, she would have a smile on her face. She'd be in, you know, the hospital. We knew something was wrong because she was losing her hair and dad cried all the time. But, um, no, I was, uh, like I said, sixth grade. And, um, I just remember going and visiting her and, you know, when she got out of the hospital, she, she, Actually, had a double mastectomy. That she discovered the lump, and I'll never forget whenever my dad told us. We were huge swimmers because swimming was one of the sports that we could participate in, as um, in a, in a group setting, since we didn't go to, to public or private school. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget every Tuesday, Thursday afternoon, we had to go to swim practice. You know, it didn't matter if we were sick; we were going. Our parents, you know, wanted us there. And this day, my dad actually came to swim practice early and took us out of the water. And we left early. We were like, what's going on? You know, yay, we don't have to swim, you know, for another <laughs> two hours. But, you know, something's wrong. Dad's mm-hmm. upset. And um, so, you know, they, they met with the oncologists. They decided my mom's treatment course. But, you know, right after they diagnosed her, she very quickly had the double mastectomy. And, you know... Stayed in the hospital for a while, and you know, so by the time she got home, it's like she was healed, and and I, I don't really remember her being sick or mm-hmm. her needing much. Maybe it was because you know she kept it to herself and didn't want us to worry. But mm-hmm. you know, I tell you what, she is now twenty years or almost twenty years cancer free, and um, oh, that's great. And yeah, it's truly such a blessing. I, I think back and I look back and. And you know, I, I asked myself that too. You know, I never really remember seeing her sick.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, How interesting, yeah,
1: but, yeah. But you know, yeah, that time our our lives completely changed. You know, we went from being together to being introduced into you know at, at, at the age what whenever you're you're going into sixth grade. At that time, girls are catty; they're not nice. Yeah, uh-huh. it was it was definitely a change. It was it was it was very difficult. But I've always been a social butterf- butterfly, so I definitely <laughs> embraced it pretty quick and uh, and enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Eventually.
0: So yeah. you've been at McKean for a couple of years now, and um, coming up on two years. Coming yes. up on two years, and you told me that you're getting uh, an MBA as well. Is that correct?
1: I am. So, in I addition to four- the
0: full time job, you're also in school. Tell us about that.
1: It's challenging. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely you know, but whenever I start to feel for lack of better word, sorry for myself, I look around in my classes that I attend twice two times a week from six to 10. And I say, well, she has a husband. She has a husband and kids. She has a husband, kids, and her (laughs) parents living with her. So, you know, I don't have much to complain about considering, you know, all I have to do is work and go to school. So Mm -hmm. I quickly reverse my thinking and, um, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm definitely grateful to, um, have such a wonderful job that is, you know, exposing me to the world of senior living more than I could have ever imagined and um, also be on my way to, you know, graduating and having my graduate degree.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about this facility and the clientele you uh, service. You're in West Palm Beach. The Palm Beach community is... I I would imagine very demanding in certain ways. Uh, I, I should imagine that this is a very demanding job in certain ways. What what are some of the hardest things about what you do?
1: Well, first of all, I would say you know. You can ne- never make everybody happy, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, we certainly try. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. The clientele here, you're right, um, a large majority of them are, as we like to say, Palm Beachers, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's very unique. This is my first senior living community to work in, so I don't have anything personally to compare it to as far as how another community operates. But from what I'm told from my boss and my mentor is that, you know, compared to other places she's worked which have been several this community really likes minimal activities you know they go out during the afternoon they visit their palm beach friends they go to the yacht club they go to the beach club they come back and you know they do their own thing
0: that's independent so, living or both that is
1: that's independent living. independent
0: living right they're kind of on yeah. their own got it okay
1: exactly mm-hmm. exactly and um I have very little interaction, I would say, compared to the amount of interaction I have with the assisted living residents here because, you know, a lot of them, a couple of them still uh, go out with their friends, but, you know, they're to a point where it's just not as easy and feasible to get around. You know, they don't have cars just because they're at a point where it's no longer safe for them to drive. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's any opportunity... For the, you know, that I have to help out an independent living resident. You know, it might be something small. They'll come to my office, you know, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you, but, you know, mm-hmm. can you help me do this? And my position is just really about letting the residents know we care about them, mm-hmm. letting them know that we're here for them. You know, even if they are Palm Beachers, which they're not, they are, are not all Palm Beaches. Sure. You know, some of them have family here, but you know, some of them don't have family here. Don't even have family within driving distance. So, you know, it's um, it's really important for us to keep a, a close knit relationship with these residents, and you know, they want to know that they're cared about, that they're loved, that you know, they can come in after coffee clutch in the afternoon and say, "Hey, kiddo, what's going on? You know, <laughs> how's your day been? Mm-hmm. Can I can I sit down? You know, can we talk about something? Did you hear what happened last night?" You know, and, and it's my, it's my job and it's my pleasure to sit and, and listen, you uh-huh. know, be a friend and when, and if asked to help them out with something, I'll do my best to do whatever I can to accommodate.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, do you have much interaction with the children of these uh, residents?
1: I would say yes. Um, every family's different as you know, we all mm-hmm. know all sure. families have different dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, some residents' family members are more involved, um, and some family members are less involved. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's definitely, you know, can be a challenge at times, Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, every child of their adult parent wants to know that their mom and dad are okay, Mm -hmm. and wants to be communicated with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on a day-to-day basis, if, you know, God forbid anything happened, to their parent, you know, as um, a leader here in the community, you know, it, it, it's our responsibility to reach out to the parents and, excuse me, to the children. And, you know, as, as things happen, which they are going to happen, falls occur, mm-hmm. you know, minor things happen, that really does um, improve the relationship and, and gives us an opportunity to get to know the children of, of the residents here.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, um, can you tell us, what should people know, and what should what kind of questions should they ask when they're thinking about putting their or, or or and their parents to agreeing to to go into a facility like this at any level what What are some of the questions that you get, and what what sort of questions should be asked?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, one of the most important questions would be you know and, and it would all depend on how many levels of care a facility has, but you know, say if somebody's coming in as an independent living resident, you know, the question should be asked what happens if my mom declines? You know, maybe she already has, you know, dementia, um, early signs of Alzheimer's. You know, what happens if she declines rapidly? What happens if she has a fall and she can no longer work, um, excuse me, walk? Hopefully, she's not working, you know, after mm-hmm. she's retired and moving into the <laughs> retirement community. <laughs> But that's definitely a, a huge question. What What if? What if? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, a facility should all, always upfront be able to explain the different level of care options, you know. And be honest if it got to a certain point, you know, do they have the resources in-house? Or at that point, would a family have to look for a facility elsewhere for their mom or dad? Mm-hmm.
0: So... For you personally, this sounds like it's been a really positive experience, and yeah you you for what what are your goals now going forward for yourself?
1: Well, my goals are definitely to stay put where I am um, like like i've I've mentioned, I, I'm just amazed every day with um, you know the new opportunities and challenges that are thrown my way. Um, you know, not a day goes by that I don't learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, I, could, I I plan to continue to stay and work here and obviously uh, continue with my graduate degree. Mm-hmm. I'll graduate um, with my MBA in May. Mm-hmm. I have one thing under my belt thus far. Um, I, in January of this year, went and took my... Um, assisted living administrators core training class and also took the exam so technically legally i could be the administrator of an assisted living facility hmm. so i i have completed that <laughs> when the springtime hits um i have it set up right now with lord sherry mckean to begin my ait program for nursing home administrator now what that means is um that I would have a about six to eight months um, learning period where I am under the supervision of a preceptor and a precept. To be a preceptor um, for an AIT program, you have to be a, an active nursing home administrator. So, in, beginning in the spring, what I'll do is I'll be under the supervision of. Our administrator here at Noreen McKean, and I'll start to learn about nursing homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after I complete the AIT. That's program, administrator and
0: training? Sorry to interrupt. AIT. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. to be clear what that means. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so
1: um, in order to sit for the state and the national nursing home administrators board test, I, I have to uh, have undergone an AIT program. So, um, yeah, so after I've finished the AIT program, I do plan on taking the boards and um, also having my nursing home administrator's license. Um, You know, with that said, I'm very passionate about independent and assisted living. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love it. it. Would I say that I want to pursue becoming a nursing home administrator? The answer to that would be no. So you say, why in the world would you go through that? Um, two, re- two reasons, one for knowledge, mm-hmm. you know it's just a huge industry and it's also, you know, any large facilities or CCRCs are going to have a nursing home uh, within so it, it's great to know about it and, and also a lot of companies are hiring executive directors for their independent assisted living that have their nursing home administrators licensed mm-hmm. so that in case the nursing home administrator you know was unable to you know perform his or her duties they would have that backup designee to step in
0: mhm and we should clarify yeah. that ccrc means continuing care retirement community right Correct. <laughs> you learn all these Correct. acronyms when you
1: do. get
0: familiar with this, do. this this um, industry and, and
1: and basically the difference uh, you know ccrc comp- is um, individuals would pay a large entrance fee. Right. We basically right. invest into a CCRC. Um, and what that means is that regardless of what happens to them, you know, say they enter completely independent, say they had a stroke and were completely unable to help themselves, that CCRC has contracted with them and agreed to take care of them regardless of what happens. hmm. Versus a rental property, uh, which, you know, we are here. We we are a rental, and it's more of a Uh month-to-month. You you have the option at any point to to say, you know, this is my 60-day notice. I'm going to be leaving. I see. So I I didn't mean to get sidetracked. No, 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 that's really um, important.
0: That's really important uh, information. That's good to know. So when you're dealing with a CCRC, you're really buying into it for the long term. And exactly. I, and and when you're dealing with a facility like yours, you're buying into it, but you have the option of withdrawing at a certain point. Not that you don't have an option, but you pay a penalty with the CCRC, a huge one, probably. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: What do you see as some of the? I'm sorry. Did you did you have something else to add?
1: No. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. What do you see as uh, some of the biggest challenges for the senior living community right now? Uh, if you can speak to that at all? I know you're in the one facility, and so you're very entrenched in that. But just with your general knowledge, what do you what do you see as the, the some of the bigger challenges now facing the industry?
1: Well, um, I do know that there are a lot of changes going on with skilled nursing facility reimbursement. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, our independent assisted living right now is just self pay. Mm-hmm. So we right. don't deal with Medicare, Medicaid. Right. So yeah. You know, as far as what I, the concerns and the day-to-day, you know, biggest concerns within what we do, um, you know, it's really a competitive senior living world out there. i bet. You know, all of these newly developed senior living communities, I mean, if, if you just go online or research it, you know, they're going green, they have five-star food, they're mm-hmm. offering this, they have state-of-the-art that. You know, it's just really keeping up with the Joneses and, um, you know, it's really getting together and finding out based on your community's population's needs and wants,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: what is best for them and just staying on top of the game. You know, I, I can tell you right now, food is a huge, huge issue in a lot of communities and because the, the dining experience is something that everybody does. At least twice a day. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of our residents here do their own thing and don't participate in that activity. So you better bet that when they get there in the morning and at nighttime, you have a, a, great, a great menu prepared and you deliver. So that's really that's, interesting. That's, that's I wouldn't have thought
0: of that. And it makes complete sense. It's a big event, uh, dining.
1: It, it really is. And, you know, that can make or break a community. I bet. It, it really it really can. This is a huge, huge subject. It's a huge issue. Food and beverage is, you know, you, you've got to nail it.
2: Mm-hmm. You've got
1: to nail it. If there's one thing you, you need to nail, it's it's the food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because these residents, a lot of them are still independent. They can go across the, to Palm Beach and, you know, meet their friends and family for uh-huh. dinner. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. at the Breakers. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Let's make it nice enough so that they can bring their frontier here into their own home. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? So I should have asked you this earlier, but can you take me through a typical day for you there, sort of from start to finish, if there is a typical oh, day?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so typically in the morning when I get here, um, that's breakfast time for independent assisted living residents, but down by my office is the independent living cafeteria, our Scratch that, not cafeteria, um, Caledonia Cafe, mm-hmm. and um, that's really a, a great time for residents to come in. You know what's been going on. Um, what can I, what can I do for you? Kind of the good morning. You know how was your weekend? So you kind um, of make the
0: rounds through that room, that dining room.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, after I complete that, go up to assisted living, which the breakfast room is on a a different floor and. See how everything's going on up there. Uh, on in, any given day, you never know what's going on. But I, you know, I definitely stay involved in the marketing process here. Sure. You know, and it provides support to our sales and marketing manager. Um, we have several projects that you know go on that are ongoing. Uh, we more recently implemented a level of care system for our assisted living. You know. Uh, a community can implement systems, but you know it takes the director, assistant director checking on them, you know making sure that things are being followed through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I definitely spend a lot of time with the checks and balances and um, also a piece of what I do is I completely oversee and plan all the community's activities so on oh any wow, that's any a lot of day, work yeah on on any given day. You know, I'm preparing for the future. You know, what entertainers are we going to bring in next month? I I, could, I have entertainment committee meetings with the residents to find out what they want. Um, a huh. great program that I've just been so happy with and just so grateful for is um, our Wednesday Wellness program.
0: Wednesday Wellness,
1: did you it. say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it took a while to, to get it going, but what we do every Wednesday um Four, three, four Wednesdays out of the month as we have a, a healthcare professional come in, whether they be a physician, a physical therapist, somebody that specializes in their area, and they have about an hour-long presentation and interaction with our residents and just talk about what's the latest and greatest. You know, we've had a uh, orthopedic surgeon come in and talk about the common, um, common hand arthritis issues. We have... Um, different therapists come in and explain different brain games that you can do to keep your your brain healthy and fit. Uh, Today is Wednesday, and the last Wednesday of the month, we have a wonderful yoga instructor come in and do chair yoga with the residents. So activities, you know, along, along, it's not as important as food and beverage, but, you know, having a great activities program is also one of those questions that any, you know, um, child should – Daughter, or son should ask a, a, a possible, potential living, senior living community. You know what activities you have going on for my mom and dad to stay engaged with, if that's something that's important.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, but yeah, other than that, um, you know, whatever comes my way uh, <laughs> during the day, we handle new move-ins. You know, you never, you never know what's going to happen in the senior living communities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm you you hope and pray that nothing does but on any given day something could happen and you have to deal with that
0: mm-hmm. i'll bet you've gotten pretty attached to some of these residents
1: i have <laughs> <laughs> i definitely have each each resident is is unique and and different in in their own way and um yes i i've i've been here for a little while and i highly anticipates that the longer i am here you know the more um losses we will see and you know it, yeah it'll be tough but you know even though it's it's sad thinking about it i'm i'm actually really grateful that um i'm having the opportunity in in, in this career because um you know my parents are going to be at this point at one day in their lives as well and you know i think about oh my gosh thank goodness you know i'm doing this because my older two sisters wouldn't know what to do. And, you know, I never knew that they had independent assisted living before I took on this job. You know, I always hmm. thought, because my parents told me, you know, you, you'll be the child that takes care of us, I always thought, well, gee, I'm going to have to make sure I have a big enough backyard so I can build them a house so they can live behind me, you know?
0: Well, most people want to age in in, in place, you know. Most people want to stay in their homes. That's, that's the reality. Um, I think if people had the means and... The uh, quality of residence, retirement residence that's offered at McKean, they would go for it because it, staying in your home isn't always an option. It's not, even you know as as much as as parents would like to stay in their homes, and I you know they'll stay in as long as they can, and 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 that's really great. But sometimes it's not a good idea for them to stay there. Right. So the option of of going into assisted living or independent living is is one that needs to be looked at, you know. It's it's frightening to me to think about the number of people living in their homes still and they're you know, in these rural areas where mm-hmm. they don't have access to things and they're living in these old houses that don't, you know, they aren't in the greatest shape and they, they it's just tough, you know, because there's no one-size-fits-all. There really isn't.
1: There's not.
0: You can advocate for aging in place and for um communities of care that that and there are some great communities that are um catering to seniors and going into their homes and um their villages and there are all kinds of models out there but the reality is that independent and assisted living and skilled nursing is is a good option for some people um and you know so it shouldn't be um, if anything, the industry is, is going to have to adjust to the demographic rather than the other way around. Um, I was going to ask you if the way that you see seniors is different now than it was when you were younger.
1: I would say that, you know, at my young teenage years, sixth grade, I, I was never fussed at by a senior. Fussed at? In other words, it was all plus that so you know no, no senior was ever upset at me oh i but, see you know,
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether or not i realized it at a young age you know all seniors really want is just love affection and undivided time so you know that is definitely continued and carried on to my perception today um my role now is not going around and visiting seniors in their home um you know it's 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 being a mover and shaker in a very competitive industry so you know i've i've um definitely met a lot of different seniors who are at different stages in their lives or going through different things with their families but mm-hmm. yeah you know ultimately i, I still you know, I think of seniors as very innocent and, and they, they just want that love and affection. And, um, I I would say that patience and, and, and adoration is definitely something that, you know, my parents blessed me with and, and I love to be able to share that and give that to other people. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've carried that with me throughout my life and, um, and I don't, I don't, view seniors any differently you know just as i used to think that i could pop in in an afternoon and have a cup of coffee with my neighbors you know i still feel that warm welcome here um you know within a senior living community there's definitely times when um people are upset and you know you're right in the 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 line of fire and you know it's, it's my responsibility to listen to get to down to the bottom of the issue and do the best that i can to um to change their perception or understand what I can do uh, to make whatever's going on better. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, my, my role has definitely changed, but I still, I, you know, have that, that same love that I did a, a very long time ago and uh-huh. appreciation, you know, everybody wants to be respect, respected, to respect and be respected. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I definitely have that. And, you know, whenever you love and respect somebody, guess what? you're going to receive it tenfold. Mm-hmm. And, and that's definitely stayed true throughout my life, and I, it will continue to be a practice that, that, you know, I actively see each and every day, regardless hmm. of who it's with, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, more than any, anybody, you know, I, my elders, you know, you have to love and respect. You just have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no other way.
0: Uh huh. Have you learned anything new about yourself
1: in the past in this process? Well, I would say that you know I've confirmed that patience is definitely a strong suit, mm-hmm. but um, tolerance is one thing that um, that I can work on. Mm-hmm. Not so much with with residents, but you know um, employees mm-hmm. and um, you know various things that that go along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My boss and I actually Googled and researched the difference in patience and tolerance. And I was given more patience whenever I was born, and she tells me that she was given more tolerance when she was born. So together we make a great team, but there definitely is a difference.
0: Well, listen, it's been great having you on this call. I think uh, our listeners are really going to enjoy this. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we take off?
1: Well, thanks. Um, You know, I would just say, you know, Every, everybody's aging. It's a process that that we we can't change everybody's situation's different, but doing the research, you know understanding what's out there based off of where your parents or your loved ones live, you know what's available, and you know it can never hurt to plan and be prepared If there's a story that I've heard a thousand times, it's I wish that we would have done this sooner. I wish that I would have known so Always prepare and and, you know, even if you 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 don't want to think that it's ever gonna happen, having a worst case scenario plan in place, it couldn't hurt.
0: Okay. Well, Courtney Tim, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been delightful talking with you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye Courtney.
0: That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at Jana at agewise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z. Or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at agewise.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritas. See you next time. Until then, age well. AgeWise.